We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, CBTPFL. It is time to talk Week 7 NFL, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Genie for 07. Grant, back from Vegas. How are you feeling? Good. Apparently, Vegas is exactly what I need. I had not my first winning week, but my first really good week. I think I cleared about 30K, so went from being in the red to being decently in the black, so... No, I really can't complain. Football always starts out a little rough for me, even though there's always overlay the first few weeks, and then it always comes together right around week five, week six. So, yeah, just ready to keep things rolling. All right. Um, Sorry, just got thrown off by Drew Holiday getting ruled out and just finishing my NBA content that I had to do. So (laughs) uh, don't mind me if I'm – irritated (laughs) (laughs) nba is back um make sure if you haven't already head on over to the podcast page here on rotor grinders check out the nba podcast uh for thursday we're doing separate podcasts uh, again now that basketball's back we had a couple weeks where the football podcast was the thursday podcast but um we're back separating it again we got 10 games to talk about and Let's do this thing, man. Um, we start with the Chiefs and the Titans. 57 total in this game. Kansas City is a five-point favorite. This is the biggest total on the slate by a large margin. Um, I think we have a 50 and a half as well. Um, but, I mean, this is a spot where this game is projected for a lot of points. Let's start with the Chiefs. What do you like here for Kansas City? I mean, everything. 
like the real problem is Williams is projected to be fairly high owned. He's going to be pushing over 20% on the slate or current projections. A little bit tough to stomach, but he did get 21 rushing attempts last week. The Tennessee defense really is not great. I think they're near the bottom of the league in both pass and run DVOA. But this is the Chiefs. Like, it really doesn't matter. Williams seems to be the guy in this offense. Everything kind of points towards him running the ball a decent amount. I mean, you can make this game script every single way you want, and you'll probably end up pretty decent. I mean, Kelsey's a solid overall play. Hill is a good play. I don't even hate Harden that much. Like, this offense is going to be clicking. This offense is going to put up a lot of points, and this game's going to be a high-scoring total here. So it's all about which way you want to end up stacking this game. And I have honestly no problem with this because I know that points are going to be scored because that KC defense really can't stop anyone, and neither can Tennessee. So points are going to be there. All of them are great options. Just how much of the ownership do you want to eat? I'm going to have plenty of exposure to Mahomes, Williams, Hill, Hardman, and Kelsey. Yep. I, I mean, there's no other way to say it. Like, tight, Tennessee's been good against the tight ends this season. But, again, Travis Kelsey is not one that you even look at the matchup. You just play him. Um, so, I mean, Tyreek Hill is obviously the home run guy. And... Hardman, you're just kind of hoping maybe you get one or two touchdowns out of him at lower ownership. But, I mean, I'm just going to be overweight on the Chiefs here. Uh, it's, it's it's a great spot. And then on the Tennessee side of things, A.J. Brown kind of um, back to last season's type of target share last week. And, I mean, I know Julio's there, but I still feel like Tannehill is going to look for Brown as much as possible. Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. Um, this Kansas City defense is not that great. This game being in Tennessee, I think, helps Tennessee. Um, Henry, Brown, Julio, maybe even some Tannehill in this spot. Yeah, honestly, I think the best thing to do, like Derrick Henry has such a high rushing prop like i think it's at 226.5 last time i saw it it's just ridiculous i haven't seen one this high i mean it makes sense kansas city's bad versus both the run and both the pass so i think the better way to do it is probably to target the passing game I and mean, we'll see how the wide receivers look towards the end of the week but like we've seen Tannehill put up massive numbers in the past like we waited we haven't seen it at all this season he had multiple 25 30 point games last season and I think the season before he's coming in at projected 2.4% ownership. I think the right way to attack this game is to play a bit of the Tennessee passing game. And if you really want to, honestly, you can throw Henry in there too. Like you can go a full on Tennessee onslaught with almost four players in this offense and still have a huge ceiling to Casey is ranked second to last in terms of DVOA second to last in both passing and run. They really can't stop anyone. And there's no, like, this game could realistically see the Titans put up 40-some-odd points here. Um, but I think with the lower ownership of the passing game, I think that going with Brown and Julio Jones, if they look all right later on in the week, is a good way to do things because we just haven't seen a Tannehill crazy high-scoring game. And I think this could be the spot where he puts up 350-plus yards and three, four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to need to if they're going to try to keep up in this game. They're coming off of a big win. Um, this is a great game, and 
We usually don't talk about the best game on the slate, the first game, but I mean, this is this is probably the best game on the slate. So I'm overweight on both the offense um, in this game, both both sides, no doubt about it. Uh, moving on, we got the Jets and the Patriots, 42 and a half total here. New England is a seven point favorite. Uh, any interest in the Jets? I I just no, like no interest in Wilson. This isn't a great matchup. New England's going to run the ball a lot. They shouldn't have a huge time of possession. Everyone's kind of just trash on this offense. I mean, if you want to take a shot on Corey Davis, that's fine. But realistically, I, I don't want to play a single person from the Jets side of this game. Corey Davis has had consistent targets all season. Um, Jamison Crowder, 15 targets in two weeks. I don't mind maybe taking shots on those two guys, but overall, not a ton of interest in the Jets. And then on the New England side of things, I mean, I have some serious interest in the defense and Damian Harris. Um, this is a team, the Jets are allowing the most fantasy points per game to running backs this season. Damian Harris, 18 carries last week after we were kind of worried about his health. Um, still only played 42% of the snaps, but I think at 5,700, if he, he can find the end zone once or twice at really low ownership, I think this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean... I would be worried about ownership, but we currently have him projected for pretty low, so check out later on in the week. 42% snap share is a little bit of a concern, but it's kind of how New England always does it. He should get some red zone touches here. He should get a decent amount of work. Like you said, the Jets allow the most points to opposing running backs. A lot of that's game script, but they're still a below-average defense against the run. Harris is kind of the guy to go with. We've seen Belichick not really willing to let Mac Jones throw a ton. I mean, he had – two games where they were just forced to throw a ton. That was against the Saints where they were down early and often going up against Tampa Bay where you just can't run the ball against them. But outside of that, even last week versus Dallas, Mac Jones only threw the ball 21 times. So the volume isn't really there for him to have a big game and volume likely isn't there for any of these guys in the receiving game. They spread the ball around. They have Myers, they have Aguilar, they have two tight ends, they have Bourne. Like this is not really a spot where you're going to see a ton of upside unless someone randomly gets a two touchdown game and that would pretty much be one of the tight ends. So I don't hate the thought of going with Henry. Um, but realistically it's probably just Damian Harris for me. And that's only if he continues to have a low ownership projection towards the end of the week. Yeah. The Jets have been terrible against tight ends this season. I don't mind maybe taking a shot on Hunter Henry as like a large field tournament play, but really honestly, my favorite play from the Patriots is the Patriots defense. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you can say that most teams that play the Jets all year, all year. We're going to be saying that um, Cincinnati at Baltimore, 47 total here. Baltimore is a six and a half point favorite. Let's talk Bengals first. Um, what are your thoughts here on Cincinnati? I don't know. Like, it's a little bit tough. Baltimore has been kind of hit or miss as a defense. They're probably closer to middle of the pack. I think Mixon is probably my favorite. He's just been having a pretty solid overall year. Like, he seems healthy enough right now. Probably going to get 20-plus carries. Like, it's been a little bit game script dependent on so far. But he's getting used in the receiving game, getting used in the rushing game. His price tag of 6.5K is a little bit low. If you want to go with the wide receivers like Higgins, Boyd, Chase, like Chase would be my favorite out of the three. He's just been so good so far this season. But realistically, Mixon's kind of the play, like – unless you are stacking this up and you want to just, well, I mean, it's just tough to bring back anything 
trying to play any of the Baltimore running backs. And I don't know if I want to stack up Higgins, Boyd, and Chase, throw two of them there in the lineup where I'm playing Jackson on the other side. So I think Mixon's probably the right move. He should come in at low ownership, and he has a pretty big ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't mind Mixon in this spot. I'll have some exposure to like Chase and Higgins as like runback options for the Baltimore side of things, but uh, don't mind mixing as like a runback option either. So on the Baltimore side, I mean, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. He's they're throwing the ball a lot more this season. Um, I'm not even like looking too much into last week, but I will say Bateman activated six targets, 63% of the snaps. Um, with Watkins not likely to play again, he's someone that's somewhat interesting. But I think really when we're looking at Baltimore, we're looking at Jackson, Andrews, Marquise Brown. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can't trust anyone in this running game. Brown, Andrews, like both heavily used, both put up big outings and really just don't get that much of a price increase. I mean, they've been sitting right around the 6K range pretty much all season long, and they've outplayed that most of the time. I mean, Andrews has been on absolute terror over the last two weeks. Game script worries me a little bit. I think uh, the Ravens could be up a decent amount, but like, yeah, Bateman, he's an easy or a pretty decent low salary guy that makes things work, and snap count is there. The targets were there. He's got the talent. So, I don't mind any of this Baltimore passing game, but I'm staying away entirely from the running game. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, just wanted to hammer home one more time. Lamar Jackson, always a fantastic option. I think a lot of people, when they're paying up a quarterback this week, are going to look at Murray and Mahomes. And I think Lamar at kind of a discount on DraftKings. So those two guys has just as much ceiling um, yeah. as those other guys. So, And also something to bring home is like he, he burned a lot of people last week. And it's because what? Bell, Freeman, they all Murray, I think touchdown. all had. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like they didn't put up points in that game and the game was entirely out of hand pretty much at halfway through the second quarter. Like, all the touchdowns got taken away from him by running backs and don't really expect that to happen again, and you shouldn't expect that to happen again. Yeah, the Baltimore defense abused a, a young quarterback last week. That's what happened. Um, so. Yep. Washington football team, Green Bay Packers, 49 total in this game. Um, Green Bay Packers, eight and a half point favorites. Let's talk Washington football team first. Uh, what do you like here for Washington? I mean, McLaurin, always a fantastic play. Didn't really do a ton last week, which still got eight targets, still averaging over 10 targets pretty much the entire season long. Um, but, like, he's going to come in at low ownership. He's very good. Like, he's the main focal point of this offense. Green Bay, above average defense, but the game script really tends more towards them throwing the ball. So, I mean, I think he still had a 29 pass attempts in the last game, averaging over averaging 40 the last two weeks. Should see him throwing the ball a lot here. Ricky Seals-Jones, still far too cheap, and I hate it. Like, this guy's gotten six and eight targets the last two weeks. Probably the number two receiving threat in this offense. And he's just cheap. Like, he's one of probably going to be one of the highest-owned 
tight ends on this entire slate. Him and McLaurin and Heineke are the guys. Like, if you want to go with the running game, like Gibson, I think, is a little bit banged up right now, but still can do some work pretty much any time he touches the ball. But I think the passing game is going to be far too low owned in this spot here and should very well could end up with being one of the best stacks on the entire slate. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ricky Seals-Jones, 92% target or um, snap share week four, 100% week five, and 98% in week six. I think his mispractice Wednesday was more of just maintenance than anything else. Um, Unless something comes out of that, then we potentially maybe look at John Bates. But I think Terry McLaurin is the best option from the football team here. But I also... I mean, I want to see if Curtis Samuel is going to play. I, I mean, he was out again Wednesday in practice. If he were to sit, Brown is 3,600, and I think he's another potential option. But if Brown were to sit as well, I, I mean, are we looking at DeAndre Carter at 3K against Green Bay? Eight targets in the week that Samuel um, sat. And Brown sat, sorry. Both of those guys sat in week five, and Carter had eight targets against New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, I think you can. I don't know. Like, there's worse plays, and I hate trusting cheap wide receivers on the football team. I hate trusting cheap wide receivers for any team. Um, I was just throwing that out there. That's all. Um, Green Bay Packers facing, um, the team that's allowing the most fantasy points to quarterbacks, the second most fantasy points to wide receivers. Um, I mean, at what point are we not playing a lot of Rogers and Adams in this spot? I mean, I think you can go without Rogers just because the potential blowout here. And the price tag of 7.5K, like, is not that much more expensive or that much cheaper than Mahomes. And there's quite a few good quarterbacks on this slate. But Adams, like, even at 9K or close to 9K, it doesn't matter. Like, his floor is high. His ceiling is super high going up against Washington. They've just been so bad to opposing running or opposing quarterbacks, opposing wide receivers. This is just a spot where, I, I mean, it's tough to figure out how to get Henry and Adams into your lineup. I think you should use one of them a lot in every single lineup. But outside of that, I mean, if Adams is going to be super high on, I mean, the pivot is always Aaron Jones. Game script could go in a way where they're rushing the ball quite a bit. He could be used heavily in the receiving game, and he can always steal a few touchdowns from this offense and end up with a 30-plus point game at lower ownership. So, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to play Rodgers, but Adams and Jones, same thing every week, but this is an especially good spot here. Yeah, I mean, this is a great spot for Adams. He grades out as one of the best wide receiver plays on the slate. I'm with you. I don't think you have to play Rodgers. If you're not playing Adams or Rodgers, I think you want to have some exposure to Jones. Um you look at the last few weeks and Washington has just gotten pummeled by the run too. So this could easily be one of those like Aaron Jones, three rush touchdown games that we all love so very much. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great spot for Aaron Jones as well. If you're not it, it, like, if you want to save some money and not play Adams, but 
not not playing Adams at your own risk. That's for sure. Um, Atlanta Falcons, Miami Dolphins, 47 and a half total here. Atlanta is a two and a half point favorite. Um, I mean, there's some potential weather in this game. Miami does have an open stadium. So, I mean, weather definitely could affect the game. I just, I don't know. I don't even know what to do with this game, Grant, because the Miami Dolphins defense stinks. It's so bad. Um, and the Atlanta offense is so bad. So it's just like, what do I do? What do you like here? Like we finally seen Kyle Pitts like show up, um, you know, last time out 10 targets, 29 fantasy points. Of course it was the London game. So we couldn't play it um, on the main slate. What do you like here for Atlanta? Pitts and Ridley are fine. Honestly, right now, they're going to be pretty heavy. Ridley's at least projected to be pretty heavily owned. Um, Pitts isn't, so I think I prefer Pitts here. Uh, Ryan's actually put up some pretty decent numbers for most of the season. He's averaging over 300 passing yards since week one, if I remember correctly. Uh, I already hit the under on his passing yards total. I'm sorry, dropped about six or seven yards, and I still think it's too high. The weather is concerning. The game script is concerning. Miami does have a horrible defense, but I can't expect like Patterson to keep doing exactly what he's been doing every single week. I think first few weeks were a bit of game script, bit of an aberration. And then uh, in London, it was because Ridley wasn't playing. I don't know. I might full on fade Atlanta outside of few pits lineups, but it just doesn't like this doesn't seem to be a spot where you can really do too much. I mean, if you want to do a Pitts Ryan stack, that's fine. I would probably stay away from Ridley if our ownership is going to keep at the same plus 20%. But like, I don't want to trust this running game. I don't want to deal with Patterson in there. I know he had 60% snap count last week, but so did Mike Davis. That was mostly because Ridley was out. They were going to use him all over the field because they just didn't have weapons. I don't see that happening again here with Ridley back in the game and potentially Gage back in the game. I think Mike Davis is too cheap this week. I feel like he's, I've said that every week and I've regretted it. Every I know, week. but I feel like I feel like this is the week that he could score two touchdowns. Um, the Dolphins' run defense is terrible. Um, I mean – Listen, I'm going to take some shots on Mike Davis. I'm going to take some shots on Ridley. I'm going to take some shots on Pitts. I might even play some Patterson and regret it because he's way too expensive. But, I mean, I'm a biased Dolphins fan, and this defense sticks. <laughs> it's so bad. But the other, the flip side of this game, right, is the Miami offense has been terrible. The Atlanta defense is terrible what's going to win here. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of talks this past week about Miami trying to get Deshaun Watson. Um, if that goes through, you know, what's two going to do? I, I mean, this dude threw the ball 47 times last week. Um, I think that he's kind of playing for his job right now. So I think it's a possibility. We see another 300 yard passing game here from Tua against us off or defense. And, we see a big game again from Waddle, maybe Gasecki, um, and, and depending on like if Parker's back or not. Yeah, I think Waddle's the way to go. Um, really like him here. I mean, Waddle's been pretty solid this season. 
his games with Tua have been good. I mean, we only have what two of them. He first week, him and Waddle had a pretty darn good connection of the 200 yards that Tua had, and the only touchdown he had. I think Waddle had like 40 percent of them. Um, like I think Waddle's the guy for Tua. I think he's the only real play I want to play in this game. I'm not touching the carousel that is the Miami Dolphins running game because as soon as Gaskins gets all the play next week, comes back and kills us. Um, so I'm staying away from the running game. I just can't trust anyone any given week. This carousel can be all Brown or all Gaskin or throwing an F Ahmed in there. Gusecki's fine. Like 4.7K is probably a little expensive. Everyone's going to see what he did last week. But if I remember correctly, Williams was out. Parker was out. Someone else was out. So, like, he was the one of the only two receiving options. He's fine. He's not great. But I don't think T was going to pass the ball to him a ton. He didn't in week one. He just happened to last week because it was going to get Jacksonville. And they were missing a lot of receiving options. So, the real play here for me is Waddle, and I actually like him a decent amount. All right, we're going Carolina at New York Giants. 43 total here. Carolina is a three-point favorite. I really like Carolina minus three. I think that line is a little wrong. Um, Vegas really doesn't seem to like Carolina too much. I mean, they I get it that they're so like good. a road team and stuff, but, I mean, that, that line seems weird. I mean, honestly, it's one of those little trap lines that's scaring me on Carolina. I mean, Darnold's been so bad the last two weeks, like so bad after starting off the seasons season so well going up against like one decent team, like in New Orleans, well, at least one decent defensive team. Like Darnold has gone against Philly, Dallas, and Minnesota the last three weeks and really hasn't been great. A lot of the Dallas was kind of just garbage time stuff. It, it It's interesting with how well he started off and how well he was rushing the ball. And now he's just kind of fully come back to earth. And I, I just don't know what to think of him anymore. I mean, the matchup seems really good. And the reason that I say the line seems weird, Barkley still didn't practice Wednesday. Galladay's still banged up and Tony's out. Like, I mean... If Slayton doesn't play too, um, yeah, he's still dealing with a hamstring injury. It's just like there's so many weapons going for the Giants in this game. And the Carolina defense is solid. So, I mean, that's why I said that. Um, let's talk Panthers here. I mean, DJ Moore, I, I know, you know, he's kind of expensive here at 7,100, but we know he's going to have the targets and the production opportunity. Um, the other guy, I mean, Robbie Anderson coming off of a big target week. He's actually had three really good target games in a row here, um, 11, 7, and 11. And, I mean, I don't mind maybe looking at Hubbard here. This Giants defense ranks bottom bottom 10 against the pass and the run. Um, I think this is a good spot for Carolina to kind of bounce back and control a game. It's just so weird to me. Like, Robbie Anderson, incredible deep threat. 11 <laughs> targets for 11 yards last week. I only like, had three catches, yeah. Yeah, I mean, seven targets for 30 yards the week before. It's just so interesting what he's done this season and what Marshall's done this season. I mean, Hubbard is probably my favorite play from this offense. Um, Giants, not really great versus the pass, but very bad versus the run. 
more you have to assume like with all these targets he's getting he's got 13 7 12 12 11 8 throughout the course of the season he's a 10 target per game guy it's all about game script uh a lot of times like whenever they're trailing he ends up with a boatload of targets and catches whenever they're not trailing then he which has been what two times uh he doesn't really get too heavily involved, but I'm, I'm willing to risk it here. The three-point spread makes me think that the Giants have a real possibility of being in this game and potentially leading early on. So DJ Moore and Hubbard, like if you want to go with Darnold, you're just kind of getting the – I wouldn't double stack him with like Moore and Anderson or Moore and Marshall or Moore and tight end. Um, but I think that you could realistically go with the Dar- Darnold-DJ Moore stack and – get a boatload of points just because that rushing touchdown upside with Darnold, whether they're scheming against him or not in the red zone, doesn't really matter because he's still putting up an average of 35 pass attempts a game. So I think there's a spot where Hubbard, Moore, and Darnold all have a pretty decent amount of upside. On the giant side of this game, I mean, the Carolina run defense is really, really solid. I think this is a spot that you stay away from Devontae Booker. Um, the wide receiver situation, if Galladay and Slayton sit, we know Tony's doubtful. Shepard's going to see a gazillion targets. Pettis is going to see a bunch of targets if both of these guys are out. If one of the two play, I think Shepard still sees a ton of targets in this game. Um, what are your thoughts here on the Giants? Yeah, it's all about who ends up playing. Um, I think I'm done with Evan Ingram. I, I just know. Like, even if he gets a lot of volume, he's still generally not going to end up getting there. He's a pretty decent price tag of 3.6K. But I think I'd rather take my shots in the receiving game, depending on who ends up playing. Like, yeah, Galladay's probably not going to play. Tony's not going to pl- likely not going to play. So if it's Shepard and Slayton or Shepard and uh, Pettis, they're going to get the ball a decent amount. I know Carolina's had a very good pass defense, but they faltered a little bit in the last few weeks. So I don't think they are as good as we've seen before. Um or seen earlier on the season, I think that they can give up a decent amount of points and just strictly based off of volume. I mean, last week's Shepard only had 76 yards, but still had 10 catches. We've seen him have nine plus catches multiple times this year. Every time he's played, he's been targeted heavily outside of the Atlanta game where he got injured. Slayton can end, or not Slayton, Shepard can end up with a big game, and Slayton's always a deep threat. If you want to go Daniel Jones, never mind that, even though he might not be good. The volume should be there in this game, and he can easily end up with 60-plus rushing attempts and a rushing touchdown – or not attempts, yards and a rushing touchdown. Like, we've seen him put up massive games over and over again throughout his career in games where he really didn't play well because he just got it done with his legs. So just based on total volume with him, both on the ground and through the air, he's viable. And then his pass catchers, just because of the injuries and the price tags, Shepard and Slayton or Shepard and Pettis are both very viable, and it's a cheap double stack that allows you to potentially get Henry and Adams in the same lineup. I'm absolutely into that. Yeah. I mean, I think sneakily, sneaky, ugly fantasy value game, just because of potential like injuries. I feel like that's been the giants all season long. Yeah, for sure. And they disappoint more than they perform. So, all right, four o'clock games. We got um, four of them this week. We start with the Eagles and the Raiders, 48 and a half total here. Raiders, um, a three-point favorite. 
let's start with the Eagles. Um, what are your thoughts here on Philly? It's tough. Like, we can't trust Sanders. Hurts might be the top-owned quarterback on the entire slate, and he's close to 7K. I mean, he's justified it every single start of his career outside of, what, week 17 last season when they decided to take him out, if I remember correctly. Like, he's just done so well, and the rushing floor is absolutely there. Has not had less than 30 rushing yards in a single game so far this season. It's just all about who are you going to pair with him. I think Goddard's in a pretty darn good spot. Without Ertz in this lineup now, he can have a big game every single week. He's one of the main passing threats. Without Ertz in this offense, it's definitely – uptick to all the wide receivers. And I know Smith really hasn't paid off too much outside of against Casey and against Atlanta. Um, but Hertz, like you can play him without any pass catcher, but I think the best move is play him with Goddard. And there's just a spot versus the Raiders who looked off and on good this season. They could end up like, I think you just eat the ownership with Hertz just because He's only going to – like, no quarterback's ever that owned. He'll still come in under 20% owned, and realistically, a lot of a lot of, a lot of the ownership out there I think is going to go to Mahomes. Like, he always seems to be low-owned every week, but or lower-owned than he should be. This week, I think people are going to finally catch on a little bit because he's been paying off every single week. Yeah, I mean, for me, I definitely have a ton of interest in Hertz. My favorite pairing with him is going to be Goddard. Like you mentioned, Ertz gone, um, I think is huge. So, I mean, I'm still going to take shots on Smith because I know the ceiling is there. And I still think the uh, there's upside here in Quez Watkins too, deep threat-wise. So, I mean, Rager, Rager had two really long – pass interference calls um this past week so definitely like that as well um i mean i have a ton of interest in philly in this game and then vegas on the other side of this game i mean they did better last week than i thought they were going to not going to sit here and say like i thought they were going to go into denver and lose the game and they went into denver they played well um Josh Jacobs got the rock like he normally does, and Derek Carr spread the ball around. Um, Phillies really struggle with tight ends this season. I think this is a spot that if you're not playing Kelsey, you could look at Waller. Yeah, they definitely have struggled tight ends, and I think Waller's fine, but I think this offense is going to be run a little bit different. Obviously, it's been very condensed in the run game to Waller and Renfro. I think that you can take shots on – Edwards and Ruggs here. They're not going to be – no one's going to have them in their lineup. Like, they're going to go con- entirely unowned. But I think that, like, they're going to start doing some different things in this offense without Gruden in there. And I think that could divert away from Waller. It seems like Drake's being used a little bit. I think that the outside guys and Ruggs and Edwards could easily end up with a pretty decent outing here. And they're always big threats for touchdowns, big threats for big plays. So I think that you could potentially go with them. I mean, Ruggs quietly having a pretty decent season, averaging over 60 or receiving yards a game, even though I only got four targets last game and two of them were on the opening drive, if I remember correctly. I think that this offense is going to change a little bit. And I honestly don't hate using Derek Carr. Like, he's quietly put up a pretty decent season so far outside of two games 
one against the Chargers, one against Chicago, which Chicago has an underrated defense. He's put up over 20 points. So I think that Carr is in play. I think you can pair him with any one of his pass catch, Renfro, Waller, Ruggs, Edwards, and none of them outside of Waller are too constrictive. So this is, I think, a spot that's going to go a little bit overlooked because the only guy that's really projecting for that much ownership, well, only two, are Jacobs and Renfro. Fade them and you have a lone stack here. All right. Moving on. Cruising along today. We're cruising along. Well, there's also less games. Yeah, I mean, we only have three games left. The Lions and the Rams is where we go next. 50 and a half total. The Rams are a 15-point favorite. Um, we'll start with Detroit. Any interest here in Detroit? Swift, Hawkinson, that's it. If you want to go with any of the wide receivers, that's fine. Like game script could favor them. Maybe Goff is throwing the ball a lot. I know Raymond had nine or seven targets last week. St. Brown killed a lot of people, but still ended up with five catches. I think it's Hawkinson. I think it's Swift. Like both these guys are great plays. Swift worries me a little bit with his ownership, but the guy's so heavily involved in the passing and the receiving game. I think that going up against this Rams offense should end up getting a decent amount of targets. The game script definitely favors and throwing the ball later in the game. And I'm not going to be surprised if this is still a fairly high-paced game with Stafford wanting to air the ball out the entire time going up against his former team for the first time. But this spread is just so high that I have to assume that Goff is going to be chucking the ball 50 times in this game. And I think the main two beneficiaries are going to be Swift and Hawkinson. Did Did you jump on Detroit plus 15 yet? No. I feel like that's way too many points in a football game. No? It did. So I think it a lot of times is. Um, but – the biggest time when it is too high is generally when it's the home team uh, as a 14 plus point underdog. And obviously there was that year where I want to say it was Miami and the jets every single week to begin the season were 14 plus point dogs and up to 17 point dogs. And they ended up not covering any single week over the first three weeks of the season. So that skewed it pretty heavily, but prior to what was it two years ago, um, home dogs of 14 points or more were covering a 70% clip over the last 14 years. Again, you take out that one year, it's still pretty similar, but road dogs, 14 or more points, I still think only cover at a 55% clip. Don't quote me on this because it could be wrong, but I haven't looked at the stats since the beginning of last year when I kept, or two years ago when I kept betting on 14 point dogs and obviously the NFL has changed pretty drastically. People are throwing the ball more. There's a larger discrepancy between the best teams in the league and the worst teams in the league, but that's just my random sports betting tangent. That could be entirely wrong. I don't know. It's been several years and the numbers could have changed. No, for sure. Uh, As far as me for Detroit, I have interest in Swift. I have a ton of interest in Hawkinson at his potential ownership. And I mean, Raymond and St. Brown, like we're going to see good ownership for Cooper cup, uh, Henderson, and maybe even Stafford in this game. And like, nobody's going to be running it back with Raymond and St. Brown and Hawkinson, and they're all going to be running it back with Swift. So I have some interest in Detroit. Like you said, they're going to be chucking the ball in this game. Jared Goff is going up against his former team too. Um, And going back into LA, 
with a point to prove. Don't think he gets the job done, but I think that he's going to do everything that he can to try to get the job done. He's going to face a really tough defense here. Um, as much as Stafford's going to chuck the ball in this game and Cooper Cup is, you know, in one of the best spots on the entire slate, Daryl Henderson's in a great spot. Detroit can't stop the run. Um, what are your thoughts here on the Rams? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll use any of them. Like, we've seen this a few times before, and yes, the Rams kind of like to run the ball more. Henderson is such a huge usage snap share guy. Like, outside of the week, he got injured over 80% in every single outing. Um, and I think one of those weeks, what week was it? Was it week five where Henderson was on the sidelines for one or two drives where Michelle got like six rushes? I don't know. Now I have to look it up because it's going to bother me. Yeah, it was against Seattle week five where don't pay too much attention to a snap count there. He was injured with a forearm thing and was out for a drive. And it was on short week of rest. There's a spot going up against Detroit where Detroit is – easily one of the worst defenses in the league and worst versus the run versus the pass Rams are probably going to run the ball a lot, but even so like we've seen Stafford put up pretty big outings and Cooper cup put up pretty big outings in games where they've led. I mean, they led versus Tampa Bay. They led versus Chicago the entire time. Indy was a back and forth game. Arizona was, they were down. Um, so Stafford can still sling the ball quite a bit and do a whole lot of work. I mean, he has the deep threats and Jackson and Cup and Woods and Jefferson. All of them can kind of do downfield things. Um, honestly, don't hate the idea of Jefferson or Jackson. Detroit, if I remember correctly, is one of the worst teams in the league at giving up big plays. Both of those guys should be vacant from everyone's lineups. They're coming in at less than 1% ownership, but Jackson can go for a 70-yard touchdown, which it 3.4 K like we've seen him have multiple 60 plus yard plays this season, if I remember correctly. So I don't hate that. And Jefferson just his role in this offense is secure enough. Like Higby, if you want to use him, but I think the two best plays outside of Henderson are probably Cooper cup who after disappointing one week and Robert Woods getting a ton of work has had 10 plus targets at, every single game this season and everyone's going to be going with Adams over cup would be my assumption outside of people stacking up Stafford because they'll obviously go with cup. But I think that you can go cup Jackson very easily in this game, pivot off the ch chalk a little bit and Adams and Henderson and end up with a nice guy that can end up with 30 point plus points or Jackson that can end up with 15 plus points on one play almost. I don't want to forget about Robert Woods in this game either. I think he's another option. Um, after a pretty slow start, this dude has a 22% target share um, on the season. So definitely getting more involved, getting used to, you know, Stafford getting used to Robert Woods. But, I mean, Cooper Cup's the play. If you're not playing Henderson, you're playing Cooper Cup. And I actually have a little bit of interest in playing some Stafford here. Uh, I just – I think he tries to put it on his old team, and we see like a four to five touchdown game from Matthew Stafford here. Like – Sean McVay has no problem keeping the gas pedal down in games. So I, I think they're going to put it on Detroit in this game. Yeah. Chicago Bears, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 47 total in this one. Tampa is a 12 and a half point favorites. Um, big totals in all these late games, like Arizona, we're going to talk about. They're like 
what, 17 and a half. Um, what do you like, if anything, here for the Chicago Bears? It is super interesting. Fields really hasn't had a big game because he hasn't thrown the ball a ton. His maximum pass attempts in any game this season is sitting at 27. They've liked to run the ball a ton lately. Um, what's his name has looked fantastic so far this season. Herbert. Uh, Herbert. But is he questionable? Did I see something that he didn't practice? Um, I thought I, – I know Williams is the one that I thought was still with the I could, COVID yeah, I stuff. I could be wrong there. Um, Williams is still on the COVID list as of Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, that was what I was thinking of. In any case, this is a super interesting spot here. I already hit the over of 221 on Fields passing yards, and it's down to 219, which is interesting to me. You can't run against Tampa Bay – and I know that they've been a little bit better versus the pass in recent weeks, but like I have to assume that this is the game where Fields finally ends up slinging it. They're massive dogs, like massive. And like it's just such an interesting spot. I don't know if I want to play Fields, although I don't hate it at 5.3K considering the game script. But Robinson, who hasn't had more than seven targets since week one, He's got to be. He's got to do more in this game. I know the Chicago defense is pretty decent. They could potentially keep this closer, but I can't. I can't see in my mind them trying to rush on this Tampa Bay defense, which has given up just no points to most running backs most weeks. I mean, Harris had four rushes for minus four yards against him. Zeke got audibled out of rushing against Week One. Um, it's it's just a spot where. Realistically, the running backs are going to do more work in the passing game than they are in the um, running game. So Fields, I think, is going to chuck the ball more here. I don't know. Again, I don't know if I'd end up playing him too much, but it does give some credence to playing Mooney and Robinson against this pass funnel in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, definitely has some interest here in Mooney and Robinson. Assuming that they play, they're both questionable. Um, I know Robinson's dealing with like an ankle and I think Mooney was like groin, but I think he is more um, maintenance because that's what he missed the first few games with, right? Wasn't it groin? Um, anyway, the other guy that I like some slight interest in just because of his price is Cole Komet. Um, he's 3K, could potentially be like a red zone target. I, I don't have any interest in the running game. This is a tough running back spot. I mean, Tampa's DVOA against the run, I think, is second. So don't don't run the ball. Don't try to run the ball here if you're Chicago. Uh, on the Tampa side of things, I mean, you can always play Evans, Brown, Godwin. Gronk might be back this week. Uh, that's something to kind of pay attention to. He was still he still didn't practice Wednesday. Um I think the guy that I have the most interest in here from Tampa is Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there. We currently have him projected for over 20% ownership, and honestly, I'm fine with that. The guy has five-plus targets in each of the last three weeks, over 20 rushing attempts in two of the last three weeks. He's 6.4K. He could end up with a big, big uh, game here. Uh, I I don't know. Like, I think I'm more interested in the passing game. 
Like they've shown that they're willing to just let Brady sling it. Brown could be out. He's Brady's projected at low ownership. And like, you look at how often that's happened and he's ended up with a big outing. Like he's had multiple four touchdown games. One of which I think was against Atlanta where no one really played him. So I think, the better move is to get off Fournette that's going to be chalk and play the receiving game. Yeah, I mean, I just, when I look at the spot, it's just, if Brown ends up sitting, I have way more interest in this spot. But right now, I have a lot of interest in Fournette. And I don't really, I mean, the Tampa defense, I think, you know, we don't typically talk defenses a ton, but I think the Tampa defense is another spot that, you know, you kind of have to like here. Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, 47 and a half total here. Arizona is a 17 and a half point favorites. Um, talk to me about the Texans here. Anything? No. Arizona has been, strangely enough, one of the best defenses in the league. The Texans are atrocious. Can't trust the running game. If you're going to go with anyone, just go with Cooks based off of volume. But that's really it. You're just kind of – and he's going to be decently high-owned. So I, I, I don't want anything from the Texans. Yeah, I mean, Cooks, like you said, just pure volume. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I just – this seems bad. This seems bad. Maybe, maybe to just be different on, like, Arizona, like, stacks, maybe I run it back with, like, a Chris Moore at 3.6K and hope he scores a touchdown. You can go with what Aikens at 2.6k. Hope he gets into the end zone. Yeah, I'm just looking at like low owned options because I think everybody that stacks Arizona will run it back with Cooks. So I'm just, I mean, Cooks is obviously the best play if you are running it back, but I mean, more Collins, Aikens, they're there. They're going to get targets. Houston's going to be trailing. They're going to throw the ball a ton in the second half of this game. Um, on the Arizona side of things, I mean, Zach Ertz coming into the mold is definitely super interesting. Um, Hopkins, two touchdowns last week, still just not getting a ton of targets. Um, it's almost like they want to move the ball downfield with Green and Kirk, and then Hopkins is like that like red zone threat. I don't know what to think here as far as Arizona is concerned because – if Chase Edmonds plays with this shoulder injury, it's just there's so much going on here. If Chase Edmonds sits, James Conner is one of the best value plays on the slate. Yeah, yeah, I know. Kind of right there with you on Conner. The receiving game is the interesting part here. And honestly, I think my favorite target here is A.J. Green. Like He's just consistently been involved. He's got three touchdowns on the season. He's had less than six points or six targets one time. They haven't been throwing the ball a ton recently because of game script and because of matchups. But this is a spot, I think, where you can really, like, get some value and get some loan guys in Kirk and Green, who both of which aren't that expensive. We've seen multiple times this season where they both ended up making value, I think, against Tech. Uh, Tennessee, no, not against, against Jacksonville and against Cleveland. They both ended up with good value. We haven't seen a single spot where they've just crushed, but it could happen anytime. Hopkins just isn't getting enough work in this offense, and I've kind of stopped 
playing him because of his price tag and the fact that he doesn't have a massive ceiling. He's kind of relying on getting a two touchdown game in order for him to have a good tournament value game. And when you have guys like Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams at slightly more money and you have a lot of cheaper options with similar upside or more upside, I just don't really want to use them. So I'm fine with playing Kyler. Like he can still absolutely get it done, but I think the guys I'm pairing with are going to be majority Kirk and green. Just one of those weird spots where there's so many mouths to feed. Um, I want to see how the injury news kind of shapes up with Edmonds. I think that could potentially open up a lot here um, for James Conner at 5.6 K. And if, Edmonds plays I kind of have some interest in him too um hasn't really saw like a ton of rushing attempts here recently but Arizona should control this game from start to finish um so it's definitely one of those interesting games that you know we're going to be paying attention to all right let's play the morning grind game and then uh, we'll get out of here give me a quarterback for 300 plus passing yards this week all right sorry checking here Trying to go low owned. Derek Carr. Jared Goff is mine. Ooh. Could be an ugly 300 yards, but it can, it can definitely happen. I mean, they're going to be chucking a lot. Like, of the three, like, double digit favorites, I think Detroit has the best chance to cover out of those three teams. Yeah, I'd probably put Chicago there, but that's just because they have a pretty solid defense. Yeah, that's true. I'm still taking it. Uh, low owned running back for a touchdown. Let's see. Damian Harris. I like it. Um, I mean, it's hard not to say Joe Mixon. Projected for like 5% ownership, just so involved. I think I'm going to go Joe Mixon. Uh, give me a quarterback wide receiver stack for a touchdown. Looking Tannehill to AJ Brown. I like it. Um, I like that one a lot. Give me Burrow to Chase. And then give me a wide receiver for eight plus targets this week. DJ Moore. I like that one. Um Cooper Cup's cheating, so I'm not gonna go Cooper Cup. I'm gonna go Jalen Waddle. At 5.6K, getting eight-plus targets. Uh, Give me a tight end that scores this week. Dallas Goddard. Oh, you took my guy. Yeah. Right. I'm right there with you, though. Love him in this spot this week. Um, I'll kind of go a little off the board. Uh, Give me Cole Komet to score a touchdown this week. I like it. Uh, Give me a defense to score 10 or more points. All right, so we're not allowing the Patriots or anyone playing the Jets for the rest of the season, correct? <laughs> sure. And the Cardinals are super cheap, but going to be heavily owned. I'm going to go with the Panthers. Like Danny, Danny Dimes hasn't turned the ball over a ton this season. I think his interceptions are due for some pretty big regression. I like that one. Um I'm going to target a team that can score a defensive touchdown that gets a ton of sacks, and they're really cheap this week. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles. So, there we go. They get interceptions. They get sacks. 
you never know what's going to happen against the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Nope, just I love football and basketball's back. So, man. I got to go do basketball yeah. work again now. Because since we've been doing the podcast, Brooke Lopez has been rolled out. Um, Drew Holiday is out. So, I have to go... Uh, Go update some stuff from this morning that I've already done. So there we go. So um, that's going to wrap it up here for week. Was it week seven? Whew. We're flying through the season. I feel like NFL season just started and we're already almost halfway through the season. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up. We'll be back next week talking more football. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you then. See you, kids.